Thank you for tuning in to the best parenting show on the internet. Post Daily Dose. Hey, 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 good evening, Facebook family. Welcome to another episode of Post Daily Dose with me, your trusted parenting advisor, faithful guide, and servant on the healing journey. What's my name, Big Papa Brian Post? Happy Manic Monday, everyone. Hope you've been having a fantastic Monday. Hope it was an amazing weekend for you. And all I can say is TGIM, TGIM. T-G-I-M. So let's jump right into today's episode. We're going to be talking about how your children truly do find healing, the therapeutic environment. By far the most important thing I've probably ever talked about. And I've just been getting this more and more and more and more and more over the last period of months and kind of seeing this thing and interacting. Listen to that for a minute. My house is quiet. Not a peep except my wind chimes. Isn't that a beautiful thing? Woo! I better hurry up because something is bound to happen. Someone's bound to show up. Kids are bound to be here running amok in a very short period of time. So hello there, Mimi. So literally 18 years ago, I went to British Columbia, Canada, and I was running a residential treatment center. Prior to arriving, they were having... What was it? Seven to 10 911 calls every month. And so much the same as in other parts of the country, Canada, other parts of the U.S., call 911 because there's a crisis with your child. Ambulance comes. They take the child, put them in a three-day hold minimum, sometimes seven days, and then they return them home. Recurring cycle. So one of the things that I did when I got there is one of the first things I did is I eliminated all therapy. <sighs> I keep hearing parents say, I think you really need some therapy about this. I really think he needs to talk to someone about this. Mind you, 18 years ago, one of the first things I did at this treatment center, there were six kids, and this is a small residential treatment center, is I eliminated all therapy, and hello there, Carrie, and I bet it's beautiful on the Oregon coast. Hello there, Stefan from the Netherlands, and hello to you, Tammy Cavanaugh. I eliminated all social skills groups. My contention is that if I could train the staff, now listen to this, if I could train the staff, and we had house parents, so it was two young couples. Hello, Ashley D., if I could train the staff on how to be therapeutically available, it would be 99% more effective than a child going to therapy once a week or twice a week and then kids going to social skills groups. If I could train the house parents on how to build relationship and see at that point, 18 years ago, I didn't really, hadn't really stepped into the whole importance of relationship dynamic. I was barely understanding. I was just beginning to step into my awakening around love and fear and the impact of stress. I was still a newbie. I was literally 29 years old, guys. So it was a long time ago. So, but I had a belief, and I don't know where it came from. It just came from my practice more than anything. Hello, Lala, you're tired, dear. Hello there, Patrick and Ryan. 
We do get tired, Lala. I feel you. Listen to what I'm going to tell you today. Eliminated therapy, eliminate all social skills groups. Worked on training the house parents on how to be therapeutically available, meaning how to respond to their children 24-7. Because doesn't it make more sense to you guys that if I could create an environment that's therapeutic, it'd be so much more impactful than sending a child to a therapist's office for an hour or two and then the child coming back to the same environment. Doesn't that make sense to you guys? It made sense to me. Literally within 60 days, the incidence of 911 calls had dropped from 7 to 10 a month to zero. They stopped. The other day I was driving along with a 16-year-old and she said to me, Sometimes I feel like a seven-year-old. Sometimes I feel like a baby. Just this morning, I was driving along with a 14-year-old. And he says, I really want to keep trying to do better. Spent some time with a nine-year-old recently. And he said, sometimes I get scared. Every single incident occurs in day-to-day -day interaction. It doesn't occur in therapy, it occurs in day-to-day -day interaction. Every time there is a conflict, every time, in fact, just last night I had a couple parents here and my 16-year-old, she got upset at one of the coaches and she came over and she used some explicitives. The family was just, had just gotten here. She used some explicitives, popped herself up on the, up on the, the, counter you know pretty much just interrupting our conversation that we were having in the kitchen and she told me how pissed she off, how pissed off she was about the coach and what had happened blah 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 and the coach had literally just left and I said okay I said it sounds like you're pretty upset about that can you just give me a little bit of time to visit with the mom and dad so she said okay so she hopped up and she went to her room she came through a couple more times went to her room every single day Every single moment is when therapy is happening, when you are in a regulated place, when you are meeting dysregulation with regulation. We had a bunch of kids camping out one night. Incident happens. One child who has an amygdala hijacking. This is at one in the morning, two in the morning, maybe even three in the morning. He's, he's, in, his, he's in his hijack state. I'm standing out in the backyard in wet grass in my underwear with no, no shirt, no shoes, no socks on. Talking to him about who cares for him. Talking to him about coming in with me so he'll feel safe. And it took us about five minutes. Five minutes, the same kid was, in a, was involved in a situation like three weeks prior, and it went on a couple hours and just carried on. Took us five minutes to be inside the house, in the bed. He's on his bed. I'm going to bed in my room. And he was asleep within 15 minutes. Every time the brain has an experience, listen to this. It returns to the way the event was handled the last time. Every time the brain experiences anything, it returns to the way it was handled the last time. 
because it's a historical organ. So it's always storing information. So it doesn't matter what the situation is. So we've had a couple other little, little situations come up with that young man. And guess what? Every time we get further and further away from any kind of escalation. Teenager got after him one day and the, the, the coach was so excited that he didn't assault her. Every time we plant a positive seed, the brain returns back to it. We've just got to make a decision. We've just got to make a choice. So a therapeutic environment is where healing happens, meaning healing has the greatest likelihood of happening in your home and in your relationship with your child. Every moment is therapeutic when you can show up in a present and mindful way. That's the biggest challenge. The biggest challenge is that when we feel stressed, our thinking gets confused, distorted, our short-term memory suppressed, and we don't show up in a present way. We show up in a stressed out way. I just had a dad say to me, just last night, as they were complaining about their child and all the challenges that he has, he said, you know, it would probably help a great deal if we just get off of him. And he, he did his hands just like that. If we could just get off of him. And he'd see so right. Because a big part of a therapeutic environment is letting children be children, accepting them and understanding them right where they're at. Now, understanding them right where they're at and accepting them right where they're at is being in touch with their emotional age. Now, how do you do that? How do you do that? Let me tell you something. I get up right now. I've got six kids, six kids in, in, in our home, in our treatment home. There, some live here. Some are in various stages of respite. There are five teenagers and there's one nine-year-old. I get up at least two hours every morning before anyone wakes up so that I can sit in this spot and I have at least two cups of coffee. And usually by my first cup of coffee, I've not turned on anything. I've not looked at anything. I just sit here. And you know what I do? I think about the day. I think about the kids and I think about the day. And I have my other cup of coffee and I turn on my little, my little YouTube videos because I love to learn. So I'm always learning about something. So watching my little YouTube videos, enjoying the peace and quiet. And then eventually I'll hear the first one stir or I'll hear something in a room, right? But I've spent anywhere from an hour and a half to two hours just focused on the kids and the day. Focused on the kids in the day so that I am being proactive instead of reactive. Sometimes I get breakfast done. Sometimes I pop in some bacon. I cook some breakfast, get it all ready. So they come down, food's already there. That's, that's what they need. All of them get a hug first thing in the morning. All of every single one of these kids get a hug first thing in the morning. Now, why am I doing this with these kids? Because this is what I do with my own kids. These are the same things I do with my own children. I'm not doing anything different than I do with my own children. If the TV comes on, one of them comes downstairs, of course, kids naturally, they want to flip on an electronic. Guess what? Nope, TV's off till 10 o'clock. And you know what? We have no issues with it. I have a 17-year-old that gets dropped off over here while, while his, respite, his respite worker works over at another home. He comes in, man, he's always ready to turn on that television. 
Nope. You know how many times it's told? You know how many times? How many times I've told him that we have no television until 10 o'clock? Once. One time. One time. No television until 10 o'clock. And the rest of the time, I spend on relationships. When that 17-year-old leaves here, as long as I'm here, when he leaves here at the end of each day, when Doug comes over to get him, he always gets a hug from me. He always gets eye contact from me first thing in the morning. He always gets some interest and he gets to talk. It's funny, he reminds me a lot of another 13-year-old. They're so similar in their insecurities and their needs. And 13-year-old told me one day, I said, you got anything else you want to tell me today? Like I said, you seem really excited. You're really talking about a lot of stuff. Is there anything else that you really want to tell me? And I said, you're always, you're always talking to me about stuff. Why is that? He said, because you're the only one that just lets me talk. <laughs> and I don't always just let him talk. It feels that way to him because I'm attuned, because I'm present. And I'll say, that is, a, is totally irrelevant, and you're just wasting your breath. Or I'll say, I'm turned off. Like at nine o'clock at night, he comes in, he's got something he wants to jibber jabber about. I'll just shake my head. Nope. He'll turn around and go the other direction. But he always gets hugs. He knows I love him. He knows I care about him. That's a therapeutic environment. We got a couple of a couple of boys, they have sibling conflicts, sibling rivalry, um, in one of our homes. So when I have them both over here together, the one who's really the most insecure one is the one who's always, always picking at the other one, the one who's really prone to the amygdala hijacking. Guess what? I have to create emotional containment around that one that's always prone to trying to parent. It's not his role and it's not his responsibility. So I have to create a limit. Hey, Grandpa, no, 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 no. I'm the parent in here. I'm the adult up in here. I got this. You, this an A and B conversation. You see your way out. Take a step back. And I'll see him get his little feelings hurt because he wants to parent. You know, he wants to tell his brother what to do. And what happens, he picks at his brother till his brother flips the switch and then everything gets scary. But then they get to blame the brother for being the problem, one with the problem. It's really not the brother. Regulate the grandpa, regulate everything else. So he gets his little feelings hurt, but you know how long it takes me to circle back around and to give him a hug or to put him in a bear hug or put him in a headlock or rough him up a little bit? Mm, 10 minutes, maybe even less. There's nothing wrong with him getting his feelings hurt. He needs to go through that process. He needs to go through the process of understanding that I can set a limit and I can still love him. I can set a limit and it doesn't mean he's a bad kid. I can set a limit and he can feel safe and everyone else can feel safe too. That I can set a limit and everyone can feel safe. That's so important. Every single moment, every single moment, every single moment, in this home is therapeutic and you have the ability to make every single moment in your home therapeutic too. You just have to commit to it. You have to commit to it. You have to make it a focus. You have to make it a priority. You have to make it an interest. You have to make it a passion. I am passionate about this. Every time I take a child who's deemed difficult and get him regulated, get him evened out, it feels good. It feels reinforcing. Anytime I can take a group, a group of kids and have them all regulated, it feels good. It feels reinforcing because I know it feels good to them. That's a therapeutic environment. That's a therapeutic environment. Ashley says, your love is the best medicine. 
that's love is the best medicine because love is the most powerful the therapeutic environment is what every single one of you has at your disposal it's just there it's just like love love is the therapeutic environment the problem is we get scared we get scared and we think someone else is more capable, someone else is smarter, someone else is more talented than we are to take care of our own children, to listen to our own children, to hug our own children, to want our own children's emotions and feelings. And even if sometimes that comes out in behaviors, to even want those behaviors, as challenging as that can be, it's interesting that over the last six months, and we've had we've had kids, you know, in here for long periods of time, there really haven't been any significant behaviors. You know, it's funny because Harold and Anna are out of town. You guys know I love Harold and Anna. They're my treatment home parents. You know, we live together, so they've been out of town. So it's pretty much just been me, and I have coaches come over and help out. But I realized, because we live in this big two-story log cabin, I realized last night, because Harold's got something with it. He got, got hit in the head by a horse when he was a kid. So his head up here is real sensitive. So a lot of times he gets, he gets stressed when it comes to noise. And so I realized last night, because like, I went to bed, me and, let's see, one, two, three, four of us, the four boys were all in bed by 10 o'clock, sleep by 10.30, so two teen girls, 16 and 14, they were still up, man, whatever, I didn't care. And I don't, but I can still set a limit if I need to. So, I've, and I fall asleep quick, and every, all the kids know, when I fall asleep, I snore, they hear it all over the house. So at about 12.30, I heard a door slam. So sometimes I sleep hard, but sometimes I sleep light. Door slam, and then I heard a door slam again, and these are like, the walls are so thin in this cabin. And then, because you can even hear people walking around. like So I can hear stuff. So I know someone's up. And then I can look through the door from the master bedroom. I can look through the crack. I can see the lights on. So I know someone's up. But see, I have a loft with two boys in it. So I have to make sure that I keep the overall environment regulated because I want to keep them asleep. So I text my 16-year-old, who she's always texting me intermittently through the night, you know, especially if the kids, I'm letting the kids be up longer than usual and they're getting loud and she wants to go to sleep. So I said, is because usually she's up. So I said, or, is that you slamming the doors? I sent her a text message because I didn't want to have to get up. And so she said, no, it's the other child. She's still up. And so I get up because that child doesn't have a phone because I probably would have just called her from upstairs, downstairs. I get up and I head, start heading downstairs. My 16-year-old is actually coming up the stairs. And she said, it wasn't me. It's so interesting. Because everyone that knows this child knows how prickly she is and how defensive she is and how guarded she is and how immune to relationship she is. In such a short period of time, I have created such a strong bond with this 16-year-old girl. It's so interesting. She was worried that I was upset. So she had gotten out of her bed and was coming up the stairs as I was coming down. She said, it wasn't me. I said, okay. I said, what are you doing still up? And I, could, I know she's so sensitive. She's so sensitive. She's like, I don't know. And I said, well, go to bed. And I'm going on down. And I could just, I can pass you and feel your energy. I can, I can feel her face. That's okay. 
That's okay. She needs to experience that from me. She needs to experience her own internal sensitivity and overwhelm and shame and fear and whatever it is, anxiety, whatever it is she needs to feel. That's her business. It's not my business. I make my statement. I go down. I knock on the door. I can't tell if, if the other child's in the bathroom or in the bedroom. Knock on both doors. She says, yeah. I said, stop slamming the doors. Stay in your room. She said, okay. I went to bed. I didn't have to see her. I went to bed. That's what I said. Just like that. Boom. Done. Why? Relationship. Relationship. I did not hear another sound the whole night. Relationship makes that possible. Nothing more than relationship. Invest your time and energy in the relationship. I'm going on and on and on. I'm going to end this bad boy. I'm going to pick up on the therapeutic environment again. Christy wants me to try to do a day in the life. I don't know. I, I, I'd love to. I will. I'm going to at some at some point in time. God bless you guys. Big Papa loves you. Remember, in any given situation, you always have two choices. You can continue to react from the same blueprints of stress, fear, and overwhelm, or you can stop. You can slow down, take three to ten deep breaths, and choose love. Ask yourself, what could I do differently? 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 Thank you for those 50 stars, Ashley Dale Port. What could I do differently? Ask yourself. And you know what, parents are always, you know, I'm always talking to parents about getting some, thank you so much, Jason, for those 100 stars. You guys laying in on me. Shoot me some love. Shoot Big Papa some love. Come on. I got an evening full of kids. Hit that, hit that heart button. Beep, 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 beep. Shoot me some love. Let me feel it. Come on. Bring it on in. Bring it on in. Bring it on in. I can feel it coming. You know, I can feel the energy coming through the, here it comes. It's going to start. Here it comes. The flow's going to start. I can feel it coming. So, I'm always talking to parents. There it is. The rush is starting. Ooh, baby. Feels so good. I'm going to be in such a... Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm going to be in such a regulated place this evening. Kids are going to just thank you guys tomorrow. I might even have them thank you and tell you how fantastic it was. So I'm always talking to parents about how... They have to take care of yourself. You have to take care of yourself. Your ability to take care of yourself creates a foundation for everything else. So I've had like a two-hour span where I've had no one bothering me. I haven't even really had a phone call in the last two hours. And you know what I did? I went over to Brookings, Oregon, to my favorite little hole in the wall, the Hungry Clam, and I had a tuna melt and some fish and chips. That's what I did. And I sat outside in the sun, in the, in the fresh air. And on my way back, I listened to an audible that I, I'm in the process of listening to. Just relaxing. I get here and no one's here. And look at that. Thank you so much for the love. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Have a fantastic evening. I'll see you guys tomorrow.